Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King, and you're listening to the Photography Podcast dedicated to getting you out there on an adventure of your own. I know that all of you have full-time jobs, full-time families, but you bought that camera for a reason. So pack your gear, grab your camera, get out there, get a flat tire. It's time for a Photog Adventure of your own. It's episode 160, and I just did the math with Kirk and Mary Beth, and it looks like I have 53 episodes that I could have had. So from the point of releasing this podcast on September 8th, 2016, if I had done a one every week, and we didn't do some in the middle of winter for Christmas and Thanksgiving weeks, I think, sometimes. So it wasn't like it was must be at this number, but the number that it would be at is 213 if I had made it every week. So there's some episodes that have been overlooked, uh, patron one more thing episodes that we did that we're going to have to throw on there and get some higher numbers. But 160, like Kirk said, it is a bit of a milestone hitting a new number, 160. I'm yeah. stoked to be here. So, guys, I have with me tonight, my co-hosts are going to be Mary Beth Kaczynski and Kirk Kyes. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kirk. Welcome in from Portland. Howdy. Kirk has been busy every night for over 100 days of anarchy riots. He's been very busy throwing bricks (laughs) through windows. How how did you find time to join? I know. I'm I'm taking a break tonight. (laughs) Oh, you're taking a break? That's good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm I'm doing some anarchy on the podcast. (laughs) Anarchy. Some photography anarchy. (laughs) Yeah, that's not the a-hole part of this podcast, but it is definitely going to be... uh, No, we're not going to get political. We won't talk politics. This is our relief from politics and the world ahead of us. In fact, Mary Beth and I are going to be out in a workshop during the recounts and counts and election crap going on after election week. And so, yeah, we're not going to think about that stuff. We're just going to have some fun with photography. Actually, that timing's pretty nice for that. Like, oh, oh, good. Good. Right. Have to be part of that. Yeah. <laughs> Being out at November 9th and not thinking about what happened on the 3rd. Oh, boy. Yeah. Be out in the woods instead. <laughs> well, this episode, we're going to talk a lot about Aurora, which is why I brought on the master of it, Mary Beth Kaczynski, and brought on the science guy, co-host, cohort, fun friend, uh, having Kirk on here and just hanging out with me and making comments. So I'm going to love that. And when I tell you guys the story that both of you weren't a part of, I have someone to respond to it. As much as I love podcasts, <laughs> hearing my voice over and over again, it's nice to have someone actually there respond to the story and have their own comments on it. So you guys are perfect for it. So I'm stoked to have you. So let's get nailing the mm. Corona stuff. Um, right now, I don't have any news to tell you any guys before we get started because we're sold out. Sold out for the Aurora con. Aurora um, workshop and sold out for our uh, my workshop out there. Well, actually, I'm not sold out for uh, Oregon coast, but I'm figuring that since I'm leaving tomorrow to get there by Wednesday, many of you won't be able to change your schedules that fast. But if you wanted to, come join us. So we're going to be out there the 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th on the Oregon coast. Check out the site, workshops.photocadventures.com, and then email me if you want to join us for one or two of the nights. I can work something out for you. We'd love to have you. But other than that, we're sold out for the remainder of the year. Because, Kirk, I don't think I'm going to be able to get Hawaii to open up in time. Ugh. Actually, I just saw a thing from uh, Hawaiian Airlines that uh, I think it was the middle of October. Really? They're going to uh, do the the COVID testing and then uh, waive the 14-day quarantine if you uh, pass. (laughs) Yeah. That's really good news. I should buy a ticket to Hawaii before the prices go back up because they were currently around 300-something dollars round trip. That's that's a steal. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, <laughs> yeah. huh? But I mean, that's when they had a 14 day. You got to hang out here, and uh, basically, I could probably do it. I mean, I, I want to see my kids for Christmas, but it was very tempting to do it because I go. I have 14 days in quarantine. I work on projects that I kept meaning to on my computer, and then I get out of quarantine. I have a blast out of Haleakala and do some deep sky stuff. That would be a freaking blast. So the fact that I'm looking phased reopening, some locations closed due to COVID-19. That's the Haleakala National Park site. But uh, it's all dealing with the tourism and coming in and whether or not they're opening up. So I doubt it. I really doubt it. But if they are opening up, I think it's too late to start pushing for it. So next year, 2021, I'll have my first ever December deep sky astrophotography workshop. And that is going to be a treat. In fact, maybe Mary Beth and Kirk can join me for that. That'd be awesome. Maybe. 
It's a year that in advance, awesome. so. And it's only uh, plenty of notice. It's only a couple of days. October fifteenth, they say, is when they expect it to okay, open. Okay, so it's starting a couple days a, from now. So buy your tickets. If yep, according to Hawaiian Airlines. <laughs> I'm going to be looking at Skyscanner.com after this. And this is not brought to you by Skyscanner.com. It's just one of my favorite uh, looking for deals sites. So, yes. Awesome. So, Mary Beth, you're the Corona expert. You're the Aurora expert. You're the <laughs> one crazy enough to look at things like a KP number and a BZ total or B total and tell me that, oh, it's not south enough. And you can tell me nonsense words that describe whether or not a good Aurora is <laughs> here. So, just recently, you've told me about the news of the Corona holes. First, Explain for the noobs on the podcast what is the difference between what is the purpose and benefit of a coronal hole on the sun, and then tell us how it went trying to capture some of that. You went out in September to try and follow some of it. You, at least you attempted. Yeah, I attempted it. Uh, so coronal holes are pretty common during solar minimums, which is what we're in right now. Um, they're just areas of actually a cooler area on the sun, and um, they spew out a lot of particles towards us when they um spin around um the good thing about them is they tend to be pretty stable um so they'll last a couple months typically everything i say is like you know take it kind of take it with a grain of salt because it can change gotcha um but typically they'll last a couple months so you can actually kind of plan to go aurora chasing which is kind of cool because when you do when you have sunspots which is the other type of phenomenon on it uh but that's more common during solar maximums they're a lot more unpredictable um however they're they're higher energy so you get more of those crazy uh geomagnetic storms with stuff uh, um coronal mass ejections out of sunspots but coronal holes so we'll just stay gotta stay on topic so there was one that formed last month that was pretty big one too and um everybody was getting really excited about it because we haven't seen a decent-sized coronal hole since last year. Um, uh, Around September, October was the last months of it before it fizzled out. Um, But it persisted from January 2019 all the way to October. Um, So it was pretty cool. So there's Uh, a coronal hole in 2019 that started in January and actually persisted until October. Yeah, so every month around... The 20th or whatever, you know, I mean, it's on a 27 day cycle, so it moves up every month, but you could go out and typically see something. Um, so just to paint that picture for those of you not getting it yet in your head, as the sun is facing, we're facing the sun, the sun takes 27 days to do a full rotation, basically as it's spinning and we're doing our spins, we're just facing it in a full orbit of it. It actually rotates. It's not like the sun is steady and we travel 365 days around looking at all sides of the sun. The sun itself has a rotation. And the rotation speed is around 27 days. So if there is a smiley face in front of the sun, it rotates 27 days later. You'll see the smiley face again looking at the sun. So you're saying that the coronal hole was great because it was facing us. We had some. And then it's going to rotate 27 days. It's going to take time as it rotates around the backside of the sun and then face us again and then spray some more geomagnetic juices at us. Yeah. <laughs> That's a technical term, right? Juices? <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. So we're just waiting patiently for it. Um, the problem, what happened last month was there's another component um, called the BZ component. And it's uh, it's kind of, I call it like the on-off switch. To Aurora, it it, it really mm. is. Um, so you know how like a bar magnet, you have your north and south poles. That's it's, it's yeah. kind of the same deal. So north, um, it kind of closes off and deflects that energy. Um, south, huh. it lets it in, and then when it lets it in, it interacts with the particles in the atmosphere, and you get the glowing out of it. Is so the you, BZ something on Earth, or is it yeah, dealing with... Yeah, it's, okay. it's on Earth. There's B, Y, B, Z, and B, T. So it's like your horizontal axis, um, vertical, and then the diagonal. Um, okay. Which one's the BZ? That should be the diagonal one. But you're not totally <laughs> certain. You just know that BZ is good yeah. if it's in the south. Yes, and you want it south. So like right now on the website, it says it's 1.3 north or NT north. And so you... it. it you don't want it north. 
<laughs> okay. So as you're looking to predict how good a night's going to be, you're looking at KP levels and you're looking at BZ numbers and seeing, okay, BZ South, that's good. If we have a high enough KP, the thing is turned on for being awesome. Yeah. So the, um, sometimes the KP can overpower it, but that's got to be a really strong event, not like a five or a six. So like, for example, last month, it hit KP6 a few times, but nobody was seeing anything really spectacular because the BZ was not stable. It was, like, bouncing around zero, and it was going north and a little bit south and north, and it just wasn't enough. Um, so it was it was very uh, disappointing, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. So then that's the beginning of when they discovered the coronal holes facing us. Yeah. And then they know, okay, we didn't have a great BZ with it, but maybe next month around October 20th, we could have a good BZ matching up with the coronal hole geysering goodness at us. Yeah, so that's what we're hoping for is that this next time it everything cooperates. <laughs> so as I'm looking at the site, when she's talking about information, she has taught us that spaceweather.com is her favorite site to look for, some of the data that's being followed. And looking at spaceweather.com, they have a first article here saying, Aurora's without a solar storm. Yes. Yesterday, speaking <laughs> of exactly yesterday, which right now we're recording on the um, uh, 14th of September. No, not September. It's 12th. October and it's the 12th. So I was looking at the wrong month on a Monday. So the 12th of October... And we're looking at right here, yesterday the 11th, there was no solar flare, no coronal mass ejection, no solar activity of any kind, and then this happened. Now, this yeah. is in Norway, but it's an intense ribbon of green reaching all the way up into the pink colors. And so you can have aurora even without. Um, Correct. I'll read this that it says, there is an explanation. Just as Varric headed out, a crack opened in Earth's magnetic field. Slow-moving solar wind poured through the gap, sparking auroras. So as our magnetic field makes changes, there can be a crack in some form of, form yep. of terminology that Absolutely. actually um, opens the things night up. That, you never know. The night that I was out and pictured rocks on the, I think it was September 13th, the same thing happened. Oh, um, really? Uh, it just... It was a really pretty, it was one of the better displays I've seen in a long time, and it was not predicted at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just it was, shocking surprise. Yeah, it was the same type of deal. So a crack in the magnetic field opened up. So, yeah, I mean, it, that's why it, That's why it's kind of cool. Like I, I like chasing this stuff because we're, lear we're still learning about it. Um, it's not an exact science at all. Um, it's cool that we have satellites watching things, so, you know, you can kind of... Uh, make judgments based off of that but we still don't really understand how this happens or why or like you know why these cracks are there <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so you can never really count it out for guarantee but you also can't guarantee that even with the information you're getting that it's going to be great have you ever had a scenario where it showed you Good readings, good BZ, like it's got a good KP, good BZ, and then you got nothing? Or is it almost as soon as those things are reading that information, you have a good how many hours of, of yeah, guarantee? Yeah, typically if all those things are in the, like you have a good solar wind speed or density, and you have a BZ that's south and it stays south, you'll probably see something. Okay. Um, I haven't run into the, the, that incident yet. Where, you know, all of those things were good and then you didn't see anything. Uh, that's, but That's good. That's, had, that's comforting. Like last month, I mean, if that BZ wasn't there, it just shut it all off. So, <laughs> <laughs> As always, you can get clouds and weather, but if the BZ is south. And when you said solar wind speeds, is that the KP numbers we're seeing? That's The KP numbers are derived from um, those elements put together. It's okay. kind of like a... Um, like a scale, sort of. You know, like, I can't think of the word. So, like, they take all of those elements and then they put it into a numerical value. So, gotcha. the high, you know, it's like a combination number, I guess you could say. <laughs> right on. So, then the last technical question before we go on to this, the basic of this situation. Um, when you talk to a noob and they're saying, okay, if I go to spaceweather.com and I scroll down on the left side and I look for planetary K index and interplanetary magnetic field, what are the number thresholds that they should be looking for? Uh, from my experience in the middle latitudes, like we're like upper peninsula of Michigan, 
if it's a KP3 and then the BZ is like minus five, I would start looking. Now, is it minus 0 0.05 or is it actually minus five? Like, yeah, number? like minus five because it starts at the lines at zero and then there's plus and minus. So you want like okay. minus five. Um, and <clears throat> that, that would be good. I mean, I've seen them at like minus three-ish, but five for sure. <laughs> right on. So you guys will get in the car at a KP3 or higher or a BZ of minus five or greater. And you should definitely get out there to a location. So then before I go on to the next tat, like the tech, we were talking technical. Now we're going to talk practical aspects of photography with the Kirk. Do you have any questions before I move on, man? Um, the only way I look for uh, whether the Aurora is worth going out for is that little map that they have there that shows the little green. Oh, yeah, the current Aurora and oval. The current Aurora oval. Aurora. And I just always see that it never comes down to Oregon, so <laughs> I just don't worry about it. Well, when you look at that oval shape, have you ever seen it in the Upper Peninsula when you get good Aurora at the Upper Peninsula? Because what you're seeing on the horizon could be far up there in Canada, yes. right? It's typically, the last I read was that if you draw a line like 500 miles south of that oval and you should see something on the horizon at least. But oh. there's been there's been quite a few times where that has come over and it's like right over the UP, like the whole green area. Oh, man. My buddy John was saying that he got an alert yesterday saying that the aurora was fantastic over Iceland. Oh, I bet so. it was. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So then if you see this oval and see that it's somewhere within 500 miles of you. Yeah, you should be able to see it on the horizon at least. You can see it. Okay, good. So I don't have to wait here. Like in Utah, there was a crazy one in May of like 2017, I think it was, where there's a crazy one that showed up with pink ribbons on my, when I looked north, I could see some pink on the horizon. I wasn't seeing the green part of the aurora, but I saw the higher elevation parts that was still showing up in my sky. And I had no idea that we could see any of that from Utah. So yeah, I we're guess talking... 16, 17, and 18, or, or not, or parts of 18. Like, they were kind of active years from what I've seen. Oh, I see. Those I'm, years, 16, I'm kind of glad. I, 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 like, I wish I was into it then. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> but you mentioned, um, I guess, one more technical thing. You mentioned solar minimum. Explain that real quick, and then we'll go on to some photography questions. Oh, yeah. So the sun goes through different... Uh, cycles every 11 years um minimum and maximum it's basically because it, it flips its uh ma it, its poles its magnetic poles flip every 11 years so it goes south north north south so as it flips um you start going into maximums and it just the magnetic field gets so twisted up and crazy when it's doing when it's in that process so you get a lot more sunspots and just ge general overall turbulence um that's why maximums tend to be a lot more active uh, okay. And exciting, but minimums are kind of nice because you get these coronal holes and those are predictable. <laughs> oh, and those don't mm -hmm. typically occur on a maximum. Correct. Oh, yep. okay. Right on. So and then the, and the maximum is where they actually count sunspots. the number of yeah. sunspots. So a minimum which they've had for several years lately there could be right. no sunspots yeah, for like the fact that a year there's or two. two of them right now on that screen there. I know that's yeah, exciting. Huh? They've, they've <laughs> kind of said that solar cycle 25 has started. They, they think it started in 2019 because they, what they'll look at is the polarity on the sunspots. And if it's different than the last cycle, then they say, okay, we're in cycle 25 now and it, it flipped polarity. Mm. So, but there's still months on end where there's no sunspots. So okay. we're not, so it's not news. super exciting yet. They're, I think they're 2024 is their, what they're predicting. It'll become a lot more active. For yeah. the maximum. It'll be a beginning towards the maximum because you think of the maximum and solar minimum as a roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. And you have your dip in the valley right. and then you go up to the peak. Are we at the valley at the very bottom and starting to... Yes, yeah, we're going to back the top up again? <laughs> okay, so we're already chucking to the top. Would That's we have... Correct. Um, we have up until 11 years to get great, or it's going to be great every year gets better than the it previous It should get year. you know better every year. Uh, they've even had times where at the end of the cycle, they've had some crazy stuff happen. Um, but typically, you know, it, it ebbs and flows like you would expect. But, um, you know, there's always exceptions to the rules. 
Okay. <laughs> right on. So now before we end this segment and go into the A-hole segment and leave the Corona hole segment, um, for people who are thinking about doing some photography, you've explained this before, but just go over the basics of settings, what you need to look out for, gear that you should definitely bring. You don't have to buy any special gear or is there something special that they should buy? No, not really. Uh, your basic nighttime, or nightscape uh, settings will be at a good starting point. The thing with Aurora, though, is uh, you want to, like, freeze the pillars. So you really kind of want to keep it shorter exposure. Um, mm, okay. I've, I've used trackers with them, and it's just, you know, it, it, it smooths it out a lot. So the faster the lens, the better. Like, I uh, I experimented around with the 1.8 lens the last time I was out. And it's like night to day difference. It's hard to go back to a two eight. Um, yeah, because yes. you could just yeah. you could know, you could do like three second exposures, and you know. So yeah, the faster lens, the better. <laughs> so crazy fast lens with this like one point eight or greater aperture is going to be fantastic. Yeah. And then you're saying short shutters lock those ribbons in action, and then do you have to push your ISO a lot? Uh yeah, well it depends on the lens so. So if okay. you have a two eight, uh, I'll do it at like sixty four hundred uh, to eight thousand. That one eight lens, I was shooting at thirty two hundred, four thousand. So you know, there's a pretty big difference. Okay. <laughs> when you're working with the composition element of the image, is there any favorite tip that you kind of lean towards when it comes to aurora photography? Uh, wide angles. I've because you get more of the landscape, uh, and then you just get more of the whole aurora itself too. Um. I've experimented with, you know, more tight shots of the Aurora with landscape, but, you know, the wider ones just, I don't know, there's something about them. Um, like the one that's on the screen here, which we're doing a podcast, this is kind of silly. Yeah, but, you guys can't see yeah. it too, but if you go to spaceweather.com and look at You just get so October much October. more of the action with the wide lens. Um, so I prefer it. Right on. Okay, so if you guys are brand new, brand new to Aurora photography, definitely get with your fast lens. Get out there, short shutter, get an ISO, whatever you need so you can see it, and just take as much in as you possibly can. I, I know I've seen Aurora on the horizon. I've never had Aurora above my head, and someday I'll experience that. Yeah, you and me both. I, someday <laughs> I hope to, hope to get to, like, Iceland or something. Oh, I have tech. <laughs> technically experienced it over my head but it was a cloudy day so it was yeah. weird you go outside and it felt like the clouds had a full moon behind them they were so bright and we could see that it was green we take our cameras and tilt them back and take a long shot and you see how crazy green it was but you just couldn't make out any details except for sometimes in the horizon you see a little puffy cloud move and they have an opening for a second <laughs> oh, but it was right over our heads in the Faroe Islands but we just couldn't mm. see it that would drive clouds. me crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding. no knowing that it's there but you can't see it I'm like <laughs> Kirk, you made the comment that you look and you see in the oval and you're like okay I'm not going to go out have you ever done aurora photography um well, I went out uh, about two weeks ago hoping that it would get down here because they were predicting like a KP5 or 6 even, and it was a full moon oh. almost, so I figured that was going to be working against me, but then like Mary Beth pointed out that the BZ number was just totally not cooperating uh. that day. And so instead I got nice shots of Mount Hood with, uh, with uh, the Big Dipper. It looked really cool. <laughs> right so, on. And s but go ahead. Another thing I've uh, come across is uh, um, there's now a YouTube channel called Space Weather Woman, which is not Mary Beth's Whoa, channel. What? Mary Beth has competition. And <laughs> yeah, and it's a woman named Tamitha Scove. She's terrible. T <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Tamitha Scove. Oh yeah, I see yep. it. S K O V. Yep. And for people that don't know a lot of the numbers or have the background for it. She does a space weather update every single week. Wow. I, they come out a uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, I think. And she just goes through all the data, you know, Oh, I just played her for a second. And, Sorry about uh, that. And, uh, she, she gives an Aurora forecast and, you know, actually talks about which latitudes people can expect there's going to be a uh, aurora at or if there's going to be an aurora and uh so 
if people want to start watching that, that could be a great way to kind of learn a bit about this and uh, be able to just learn more about Aurora numbers and what they all mean because she kind of goes through that all through her uh, talk as she um, covers what the space weather is. And they're usually like seven to ten minute long videos to cover, you know, Aurora, uh, GPS reception, uh, shortwave radio reception, all sorts of stuff. Anything having to do with space weather, she covers it. That's wow. Cool. And until Mary Beth has her channel hot and <laughs> baked and ready to go, um, we yeah. are going to mention Tam- Tamitha, Tamitha or Tabitha? Tamitha. With an M, yeah. right? Yeah, Tamitha. Like like Tabitha, but with a M instead of a B. Okay, right on. So Tamitha Scove, I'll put a link in this podcast, but it will be the last time you see me <laughs> link to her channel because Mary Beth's channel will exist and we will have a better person to follow. Although oh I think Tamitha Scove looks pretty awesome. She has a green screen yeah. and every. Every, it's, it's, every it's graphic pretty, uh, behind her. It's pretty professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, but we're going to get a lot more fun from you, so that's going to be awesome seeing your channel grow. She's got 35,000 subscribers, and I bet Mary Beth could break 50. Let's do this. 50,000 <laughs> subscribers by 2021. <laughs> well, that's too soon. 2022. Yes. All right. First, awesome. First, I need a computer that works. <laughs> <laughs> we're not bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, she had a horror story today that maybe at the end of the podcast... We'll refer to it a little bit, but let's go ahead and take our only break of the podcast and be right back and talk about some (laughs) a-holes. Are you tired of the ads in Facebook? Are you tired of dealing with, hey, I found you, this is an old friend of yours or an old coworker or your old girlfriend that you broke up with intentionally, but now she's being reminded that you exist and add you as a friend? If you're tired of that kind of dynamic of hanging out in a forum, in a group, well, maybe you'll enjoy the ad-free, completely no distraction whatsoever, Milky Way Photographers Guild. You can join us on the live stream and actually ask questions of me as I'm going through the tutorial right now. Now we're jumping more into star tracking, learning star tracking post-processing from Mary Beth Kaczynski and Eric Benedetti, as well as getting involved more and more in Deep Sky. Deep Sky, whether you're on a tripod or Deep Sky, whether you're on a very expensive tracker, we're going to have some more fun with that. And so as I've done plenty of tutorials and instruction on Milky Way stuff, you can re-watch those videos or you can have access to the tip sheets and the live streams and the future live stream videos talking about Deep Sky and Star Tracking. So join me over there at MilkyWayPhotographersGuild.com. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. So now we've been talking about Corona holes. We're going to transition over to the classy term A-holes. And I bring this up only to be clever with the holes in both part of the title. But realistically, there are jerks and you can be a jerk when you're out there doing Milky Way photography. And I'm sharing with you and Mary Beth and Kirk a story about some jerks that we ran into Doing Milky Way photography in the Alabama Hills. No names are going to be made. Ma- uh, na- no one's name will be named. It seems too redundant that way. No one will be named in these stories because it's not significant. There are mistakes made on both sides, and it can be better. So I want to tell the story as a story of caution for all of us when we're going out so that we don't have to be the a-hole on either side of this interaction. So imagine your scenario, and I'll start with this one over at um, a good version of the scenario over at Fairyland Point. I was bringing my workshop out to Fairyland Point, and I have never had anyone out there. Mary Beth has been out there with me. Kirk, have you been out there to Fairyland Point yet with me? Uh, Bryce Canyon? Yeah, that point in outside of the park at Fairyland Point at Bryce Canyon. Not with you. No, not with me. So you haven't been out there for Milky Way yet, but nope. Mary Beth has. So you know the area, Mary Beth, where you come out from the parking lot and you have that short walk out to that part on the rim that we all pile up on and spread out and capture the Milky Way over the, yep. the tall hoodoos, I right? I remember that. It was it was a good night. It was a, it was a good night. Area. I liked that uh, area. It's an it, it's an easy area to get to. It's fantastic for anyone of any you know fitness level. On top of that, we can play around with some low level light painting, and we turn them on and we leave those two lights on the rim as we walk towards that back part. So imagine a U where you're walking on one side of the U and you drop a light continue down to the bottom of the U, drop a light, and then go to the curve of the U. And at the base of the U right there, everyone spreads out. And you have about 20, 35 yards that you can be in. Any one of those can be a great shot. As you see 
Bryce Canyon hoodoos with a little hill right there behind it, and the Milky Way gets on top of that hill vertical, and it looks pretty fantastic. And so it's a favorite of mine. Never ran into anyone else out there. There's like two people I've shown up on Perseid nights, and I'll get maybe like eight people staying in the parking lot. And then when we arrive for Milky Way, they're heading out. And so it's perfect. Never have to run into anyone. When we arrive at this place with my workshop of about... I think there are five people with me, maybe six. And you can tell that there's lights on the hoodoos. And you're thinking, oh crap, we're not alone. We're definitely not alone. And they're low level light painting. And so these guys are doing Milky Way photography too. This is not just any group just out there enjoying the view. So I told everybody, and this is where you got to be careful when you're the, we're going to talk about a-hole oncomers and a-hole Let's see, what's a good term for someone who's already there versus the people who show up? What can we call them, guys? What could be our best? That'd be a pre-existing a-hole. <laughs> pre-existing. Pre-existing a-holes is a pre-existing, premeditated <laughs> a-hole. Um, this isn't for a-holes, just the term for those, like you people who are going to go out and come upon someone, you're one type of person. You're, you're, Let's say you're on offense. And then other people who have shown up already and have been there, they're on defense, you know. So the offense is encroaching on the defense. There's got to be a better term. But we'll just, since these guys aren't helping me come up with any on the fly. They're the early birds. (laughs) The early birds. So if you are the ones coming in and messing with the early birds who are already there, you should have some approach that you take, some different um, procedures you follow to make it easier on them. The best thing we could do, knowing that we had to walk out to them, was to kill our headlamps. We're not going to use our headlamps. We're not going to turn on any lights. And the big thing is, if they see us coming and we have some light at our feet, that's not as bad of a problem. But when our lights are going up into their lenses, causing lens flares, or even lighting up the stuff that they're lighting with their lights that's where it gets annoying and can ruin a shot. If on the far right of their shot, there's some people who are walking against a hill and you can see a little streak as they come in, you can clone that out easily as long as it's nice and small. So what I had everyone do was use their phones and just on the phone light, not an actual phone flashlight, but just the phone light, kind of angle it down at your feet so you knew where you're taking your steps, but you kept it kind of tilted back towards you instead of pushing it out in front of you. So there wasn't any real light pointed at all towards the people we were coming. So in this situation, because we showed up like that, they knew, okay, they understand that we have cameras. They understand that they're coming in on us with cameras open, capturing right now, open shutters. And so they can see friend, not foe. (laughs) We're already coming in as polite as we possibly can. Once we arrived at the spot in the dark and the silhouettes that are there next to cameras, I'm like, hey, everybody, I'm glad you're doing Milky Way photography already. Thanks for lighting up our rocks for us. Blah, blah, blah. Dad joke, dad joke. And then we uh, got recognized. <clears throat> Turns out it was Ryan Smith with his group out there. He had about eight people on the workshop. Ryan Smith. In fact, Kirk, the breakthrough photography CEO was out there that, that night. Oh, uh, Graham uh, something or other. It was Graham Clark. Graham Clark was out there. There you go. And so that was an awesome night to run on to good people and to come in with such nice etiquette, some such nice politeness that they weren't you know, mad that we showed up. There were only five, six of us. I wasn't taking any pictures. I was just helping my group get pictures. So we worked around them. So if you are offense or whatever we're going to use for the term of the encroachers, the army coming in, make sure that you come in with all that respect, knowing that they're, 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 they could be taking a four-minute exposure right now, and you just ruined it just because you had your headlamp on. It doesn't matter how fast it takes you to get there. You've ruined the shot from the very get-go. So you want to make sure that you come in, and I like to do light low at my feet, pointed back towards me so there's no chance of putting anything towards their lens and they even though there's a little bit of a light streak on the edge of the rim there it wasn't going to be something impossible to clone out it was all the dark section of the hill they were not going to have any work except making that black again it was going to be fine what do you guys do i mean mary beth do you ever come upon anyone else when you're doing photography because you're out in a place that i think you're usually the only one um well that used to be the case Mm. (laughs) uh the uh (laughs) The old uh, COVID shutdowns have brought a lot of people out into the wilderness. So, Interesting. Um, it's been pretty busy up there. 
Um, and I have run into people several times on a lot of these trips. Doing photography or doing just anything else? Um, kind of both. Uh, there's some people doing pictures. Some are just out hiking and, you know, enjoying the night or whatever. Um, but, yeah, the same type of deal. Um, just try to be as polite as you can. Uh, it's really not too hard. Um, Agreed. Yeah. I mean, you turn off your headlamps. You come yeah. on as quickly as you can. You let them know that you understand. Hey, hey, I know we're coming in. We're going to hurry in and get set up. Just so that there's no, you don't require them to be rude to say anything. Have you come across, has anyone come across to you, Mary Beth, when you already had your camera going? Uh, yeah, uh, that's happened. Uh, and I had a, actually last week there was a rude encounter, um, it, daytime stuff, right? So I'm out there, I was like taking some long exposure waterfall stuff and then, then I go to move up and this guy was like, seriously? And I was like, what? And he's like, I'm sitting here waiting because uh, I want to take a selfie and then you move up. And I was like, just ask me to move. Like, or like, hey, can I Jumps take a picture really quick? To anger. Yeah, I was like, and I was like, go, take your picture. And I walk, I stepped aside. I was like, why do you have to be like that? Like, you know, just <laughs> sit, ask. It's really not that hard. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of times I'll. A lot of times I'll see people standing around. You can tell they're looking to get like a selfie. Yeah. And I'll go, hey, can I take your picture? And they'll go, oh, yeah, thanks. And hand, they hand me their phone, and I'll take their picture. <laughs> it's all done. They're out of there. And then uh, nice. I'm back to taking my pictures. That's yeah, a proactive approach right there. It's just kind of weird to me. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> it, that's the thing, too, is like if you don't communicate, you don't say anything like, hey, I'm coming in. Can I do this? Or I'm about to do that. I mean, if that, if that guy had at all said, I'm about to take a selfie. I see that you're coming in. Are you going to stand here? And then Mary Beth would be like, oh, no, not yet at least. You want to do that right now? Go for it. And then yeah. you guys could have been fine. That's, not this instant this, sarcasm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now you go over there. What was it he said? Yeah, he's like, it's like yeah, it was, it was ser- what he said, how he said seriously. seriously? Yeah, seriously? And I'm like, I didn't even know you were there. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's like, just yeah. tell me. Tell me what you want to do because I will move out of the way. It's like, I, oh my I gosh. That not knowing you're there <laughs> is key. If you're on defense, or what I declare was that defense, you're already there. If you're already there in the dark and you're like me and you don't have any lights on whatsoever, they probably don't even know that you're there. If right. you're not lighting up anything, they don't realize it. So it's not like they're rude. I always, when I see someone coming down the trail on Oachomo Bridge, because it's happened a couple times, I'm always yelling up to them. I'm like, hey, everybody, we're down here. <laughs> Last thing I want them to do is arrive at this dark spot, think that they're the only ones there, and it turns out there's six people in the bushes, you know? Ha-ha! <laughs> hey! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, Welcome to us at the Oachomo Bridge! Holy crap, who are you? <laughs> so I, I like to just yell out in advance just so I don't scare the heck out of them. <laughs> and if I hear them cock their gun at that point, I have a little warning. <laughs> you got time to run. Yeah. Which way do I go? Which way do I run? So, uh, yeah, I always like to yell out. Even if I'm coming or if I'm the one there and they're coming on me, I'm always yelling out once it's begun because it's, it's so easy to handle it right up front. Not after they get pissed at you and go, seriously? Because then they've already become, you know, I won't say it. They've already become testy. And when they're testy, that sucks. So in this situation that I experienced with Ryan Smith, they were crazy accommodating. They were really cool about it. And it may have been just because when we approached, we weren't jerks about it. We weren't jerks about approaching. They already thought, okay, we can work with them most likely. Turned out Ryan and Smith and I are already friends, so it made it easier too. But uh, it was nice. What if they're not friends? And what if you're not friendly? Oh, my gosh. So... (laughs) I'm with a small group in Alabama Hills, and it's just me and two other people that night. I don't think Stanley had joined us yet, so it's just myself, Kave, and Lee. So Kave. we're showing up, and we're seeing that, oh, man, I can see someone's lit up the hole. We're walking in on their stuff. And we've already seen a ton of cars out in the parking spot, so we, we figured we'd be walking in on them. So I'm already got my approach planned. I'm like coming in. Hey, everybody, sorry, we're going to be having some lights for a second. We'll get in really fast. Like, go, go, go. Grab your headlamp, put it down by your feet, use your use your phone, whatever. We just tried to make sure that we were as nice as we could. 
we couldn't see anyone, but they heard us and like, yeah, yeah, hurry up and get in there. We had people shooting like, we got you. We're coming in. We'll come right in and turn our lights off immediately. So we just kind of rushed into that point, got behind them, found the spot, you know, second rate spot behind them because they're on defense and we're the offense and they weren't going to give us any space. They had the best spots and we were going to try and work around them. So we came in. It was all good. I happened to know this group as well. And you guys even know them, and I'll tell you after the podcast, because I don't need anyone flamed. I don't need anyone publicly shamed. The public shaming of coronavirus masks has just got me so frustrated that I don't even want to begin to do that with Milky Way stuff. So we're not going to do that. Who cares? Here's what went well. We said, hey, we're coming. They said, okay, hurry up. And we hurried up, and then we got in. It was fine. A second group showed up. A second group showed up about (laughs) 25 minutes later. And the group we had just joined, they kind of started with the testiness right off from the start. And I was kind of surprised by that because I was like, oh, that could have gone a lot better. The first thing they said was, so you're going to turn your lights off or what? You know, kind of attitude. I can't remember the exact verbiage. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> uh, okay. They just barely, I don't think they even realized that we were here at this point. So just calm down for a second. So I let them handle it. The cup, The group coming in is like, because the tone was already that was set for that level, they returned with that level. I don't want to break my leg, they say. And it's like, well, what the beep beep, you know? Okay, so it's like, all right, just come in, turn your lights off. And they probably dawdled a little bit too much. I think it may have been 20 seconds, but it felt like a minute or two. They're like, are you guys ever going to get in here? And he's like, gosh, I come in, I don't want to break my leg. Holy F, holy F, you know? And the group that's with their lights coming in are kind of cussing these people, and there's probably eight of them showing up. And so they're trying to get all their group in. They're not communicating at all with the group that they're jumping in and barging in on. And so they're already pissed on our side. Not my group, thankfully. My group was really cool with it. And the people who are showing up are already pissed at that group. And they're kind of mm, jawing back and forth in the dark. And like, fine, I got my lights off. Jeez, holy crap. Oh, my gosh. You know, we can hear the cussing each other out as they're all just kind of mumbling and murmuring to themselves. A couple pictures were taken, a couple more. I kind of thought at that point it was over. All of a sudden, it almost got to fisticuffs. <laughs> he grabs his light, and he's like, you guys could have had some etiquette. Some etiquette. Oh, my gosh. And he's like, pissed. Just you, and he's like going off his rocker now. And I'm like, holy crap, relax. And so they're they're like gritting their teeth talking to each other. And he's like, you want to get, you want to go now? You want to go? And they're like getting face to face and they're ready to throw fists, man. They're ready to go down, throw down. This was important. The stupid clouds had come in and blocked the Milky Way anyway. No one was missing their shots. It's like, why is everyone so testy? We're getting skunked anyway. We've been skunked since like the first 12 minutes that we've been there. The Milky Way was nice and clear for 20 minutes. We couldn't get focus on Lee's yet. Kavi got a couple shots off and it was like, oh, it was over anyway. So it's like we weren't even having that big of a deal. So is this the group leaders that are... Uh getting all upset or yeah was it, unfortunately uh, it was a group leader which made me a little bit more ashamed i was like come on <laughs> you could take this and handle this better and yeah. since he was just so mad about it and said you know etiquette blah, blah, etiquette you know it's just instant like accusation that you suck and so his only, only response from the other group was that well you're a jerk and i'm gonna fight you now and blah 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 and it got so heated got close they backed away, and then as he walked away, he just kept kind of cussing etiquette, etiquette, etiquette. And, you know, people are going to recognize this story who were there. <laughs> and I'm sorry that I'm telling the story from the perspective of I felt like both parties did terrible. Yep, if you recognize this story, you hear this story, and you're like, ah, you're saying that I did terrible. I think you did terrible. I, I think you got angry fast. And, you know, I just was glad that I wasn't involved because it was so crazy because that same group received us so well. And whether it's because they knew me and that's why this other group, they didn't know, but uh, it was such a disappointment to see that being a-holes to each other. Don't approach and say, well, I don't want to break my leg. You got to say, yeah, you're right. We're screwing with your images. Everyone get here. Close your, turn your lights off for a sec. Hey, is your camera open? Are you guys good right now? They're really pissed. Let's make sure. Let's wait. Let's wait. Okay, you guys got curl up in here. Okay, but okay. Let us know when we can go. Let us know when we can go. All right, you can go. Sweet. Okay, thanks. And then everyone's turn your light on. Let's go. Get in position. You know that kind of cooperation is all that needed to happen. But the group showing up wasn't willing to do that, and the group that we received him wasn't. And I think it just because it started off on the wrong foot with. 
you turn your light off? We're taking pictures here, kind of attitude. And the very first time they ever communicated with each other was just instant mad. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> well, the crazy thing is that after that group had left and now we're there, <laughs> we're thinking, are they going to be pissed at us for being here still? Because we're trying to wait to see if we get lucky with some sky moving around. And so we're like, hey, uh, that wasn't our group. We're still here, though. Do you guys mind if we join you up there? And they were really cool about working with us. They got a little annoying with constant lights a bit. But, you know, we didn't have a Milky Way going up, so there's no reason to fight. Kirk, do you know off the top of your head, and maybe Mary Beth does too, the famous Vietnamese naked girl picture where she's crying and running towards the camera? Oh, yeah, I know that picture. The photographer who took that was in the group. Whoa. Oh. He That's... is a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer yeah. because of that photo. He's... I wouldn't say it's awesome because it's a horrible photo. But <laughs> it's just the story and the emotion so good. Yeah, it's it's... He was a I remember 20-something. seeing that when I was like 12 or 10 years old, Vietnam War's going on, and oh, yeah. you know, being a kid the same age as the girl in the photo, you know, with her you know, clothes burned off from napalm attacks, yeah, it's right. like, man, it was just really hit home with me. <laughs> exactly. And it just it made me so sad for the group that left. We actually had a really cool opportunity to meet a Pulitzer Prize winning photographer who was in his late 80s. He's this, yeah. He was in his 20s during the time in Vietnam. He's from Vietnam, and it's just a quiet, soft-spoken guy. And yet, you guys were ready to fisticuffs his friend in their group. They were just a group out of L.A., a, fa- a camera club that really likes to do certain things, and just really, really neat people in this group. In fact, and I'm, I hope he's not listening to the podcast right now because I forgot his name off the top of my head. And so I apologize. I'm really looking forward to having you on the podcast. But he said he would join me. And bum, 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 bum. I have in my notes somewhere his exact name. And it is... Oh, I don't have it right here. I thought I did in these notes coming up with my other notes from Alabama Hills. Looks like they're not. Ooh, nope, not there, not there. Okay, I got to find my notes, but I have his information, and I'm going to pull on him on the podcast, but he is a well-known photographer who has been out with everyone. He said, I mean, he's gone out with, um, he hangs out with a lot with art, um, art, art, art. It wouldn't be uh, Nick Utt. Nick Utt? Are you talking about the Vietnamese photographer? Yes. Yeah, I think you got that correct, but I wasn't thinking of Nick I was thinking of um, another photographer who was also in that group. So we had that Pulitzer Prize winning Nick Utt photographer, but it was also another guy from L.A. who went out a lot with Art Wild. Art Wild, is that the guy I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the wrong name. Art. Art Wolf. Art Wolf. Thank you. Yeah, I feel ashamed. <laughs> I couldn't think of Art Wolf's name when I wanted to. But he's always, he, he, he was telling night. me stories about going out with Art Wolf all the time, and he's been interviewing a lot of people for his – he works um, in a famous magazine and does a lot of articles, and so he travels the world and does travel photography, and he's interviewed Art Wolf several times and became friends with him. And he, he name-dropped a few other people. I think Galen Rowell was one that he name-dropped as well. So he hung out with Galen, which is a famous you know, adventure photographer. And so the um, people who were coming up the hill that they wanted to fight to the death were actually people that if they met in the light of day, they would have told them how awesome they are and they were so grateful and lucky to have met them. And it's just, they were complete a-holes right off the start. So they were a-holes back and then they were too much a-holes back and these guys were too much a-holes in reception because I get it. Where is the etiquette? Where is the etiquette when you're coming in? You got to have some etiquette coming in. So if you're hearing this, man, I'm on your side too. I think you went too far, and I think you probably know it after just so many nights straight of not sleeping that it may have just escalated that way. And so I don't fault you. I'm not saying anyone's name because there's no reason to. But you guys know who you are, and I think that it could have gone better, and you guys would have met Nick Utt, and you would have met nameless cool guy that whose name I wish I wasn't forgetting. Come on, Aaron. Why couldn't I think of his name? So... That was the sad story of Alabama Hills, A-Holes, when it turns out it would have been fantastic to have met them. 
And you're not saying that Nick was an a-hole. No, he wasn't ever. He didn't say a word. In fact, he got tired of his group with their lights on and off that he backed away and went over to the side of the hill and just gave up on taking pictures. So, (laughs) you know, people weren't wrong thinking that they were annoying with their lights because they continued to be that way. But, you know, the world has other people in it. You know what? And if you're going to go to Mobius Arch in Alabama Hills, guess what? You're not going to be alone. Yeah, and it's BLM public land, so it's not like anyone deserves to be there more than another person, right? Right, exactly. Exactly. It's not like you get special permits like going to the wave and they shouldn't have been there, you know, this and that. So it's... It's just disappointing when I see people who are other Milky Way photographers not working well together because I've only really ever met great people in Milky Way photography. And I'd like to say that they are a unique demographic of upstanding people, but we can get pissy with each other out there in the dark thinking, you've ruined my shot. I can't believe you. I had a 16-minute exposure going. It's like, I didn't know that. I didn't even know you were there. So let's just figure out how to do it better next time and just come in Let's see, if we could give a summary of how you can embed better etiquette. When you approach an area, if you are noticing any sign of someone else, you're not like Mary Beth and had no idea that, he, they, weren't, that they were there, you're going to talk to them. First thing, be the first one to say something and offer right off the bat. Hey, is your, is your, are you shooting right now? I'm going to turn my light off. Are you shooting anything right now? Can I turn my light back on? I want to walk in next to you. Is that okay? Check with them. Double check, triple check. Be really proactive in asking for permission and making sure you understand that you respect that they were here first, but you also understand that you're not going to give it to them because it's not like they own it and you can't be here too. So you're like, I'm coming in. When's it going to be convenient for you? And then, you know, as you come in, just make sure you don't step in front of their camera and you work with them and say, hey, is this good? Is this good? Okay, okay, awesome. And then if you don't know your danged camera in the dark, learn your camera in the dark. You got Mm -hmm. to stop bringing your light on for the smallest settings change. You should never need to turn your camera light on again. Just go and keep blitzing away. You can get focus, get your settings, get your capture, check your images, all without turning on any other lights. You kind of said, mm-hmm there, Kirk. you have anything to add to that? Um, yeah, actually, I got a whole bunch as far as headlamp uh, modifications and uh, Ooh, yeah, hit us up stuff. with that. Because when you're coming in with your headlamp, you're thinking you can modify it in some way to have a better uh, etiquette. Well, yeah, you mentioned uh, you were walking in at uh, the Ferry uh, Garden, right? Yeah, yeah, Fairyland Point. Fairyland Point, and how you'd ask people to use their cell phones as lights instead of using their headlamps. Yes. It's kind of that same idea. I've been doing a lot of research and reading on uh, headlamps and night vision, and actually I've come to the conclusion that red headlamps are not something you ever want to use when you're doing uh, night photography because, you know, first off, you're looking at the back of your camera screen, so you don't have dark vision, night vision exactly. anyway. So exactly. it's just complete bullshit having to claim, <laughs> oh, my night vision's going to get wrecked. You have to use red lights. Plus, those red lights are too bright to actually get probably good night vision anyway. Yeah, let me emphasize that for your next point because you guys have to understand the whole idea of red lights is for telescope work so you don't ruin your night vision. But like Kirk said, the red lights in our lamps we're getting from you know, off of Amazon, they're so bright, they're not so bright, not keeping your night vision. You know, your rods and cones, as you get used to the dark light, they adjust and you start being able to notice things that are low contrast. You can't even look at your watch for the time if it lights up or your phone if you want to keep your night vision. And so the moment you look at your screen with your LCD screen lit up, you're ruining your night vision. You have to keep everything off. And if it's not a completely dimmed red LED display, there's nothing you can look at that won't hurt your your night vision. And so using your camera is going to ruin your night vision anyway. It has no difference. Use, don't use red lights. Use a white light because you're not going not gonna to change one thing for you. Yeah, white, right. light, so, white light you can work with. Uh, red, you can't really uh, edit that out very oh, well. Oh, another great point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's, that's a good point. It's The red light gets in front of your camera or someone else's camera while it's making an exposure. Yeah. It just blows out the red channel, and there's no recovering any color data after that. No matter what you do, you've just... You've just lost that that part of the image to the the red light overpowering the the sensor, and so just keep your red light off and uh, 
And so part of my research was looking to see what the military's doing these days. You know, you you watch Hunt for Red October if anyone actually watches that movie anymore. I do. And you see, okay, awesome. <laughs> and yes, you see me, people me. in submarines, and it's like red lights all the time. Apparently that's still a thing, and that's like tradition in submarines. Really? But the rest of the military, especially like uh, Air Force uh, fighter cockpits, oh, yeah. they're switching to a dim white light with a tint of green or maybe blue depending on the uh, type of aircraft and it's because your eyes are actually more sensitive to green light and that broad spectrum white light that's beneath it just kind of gives you a better a better sense of colors you know fighter pilots need to see what color things are on the ground so they don't want to have red light screwing up their uh, vision with just blowing out the reds in their eyes so they've switched to these uh pale white dim white lights with a hint of green i checked with ralph roner he's a swiss air uh, 777 pilot oh, and i think yeah. he said that they use a light blue color in the cockpit of the 777 oh and uh but it's still based on a white light it's it's not just blue there's still green and red involved in the light and so what I did to my headlamp is it's got a uh, a white um, LED for just the main light. And then it's got another one that's even brighter for, like, hiking or seeing off in the distance. So I've decided I'll use that bright one for when I'm hiking and away from doing photography or other people. But the regular white light, I've taken a uh, some filters and put them over the... the the main LED of my headlamp, which I'm showing Aaron and Mary Beth here. And you can see I've got gaffer's tape yeah, over the time. front of the headlamp. Yeah. And underneath the gaffer's tape, I went and took a... Uh, Is that a gel that's underneath? Yeah. I went and got a set of gels. They're called uh, like Roscoe Lux, or I think Lee makes a set. And they're gels for uh, doing uh, like <laughs> cinema lighting or uh, theatrical lighting. And so you can get these books. Adorama has them for like a dollar and a half. You know, you're probably going to pay more for shipping than you would for the actual uh, um, gel book. Or if you happen to live in a town that has a theatrical lighting store, you can just walk in and a lot of times they give them to you or they'll charge you like the dollar and a half, like I said. So I went and took like one of these green, uh, you know, filters, which there's several choices of green in the uh, the pack and also some of the neutral density filters and I just cut them up so they fit underneath the uh, little hole that I have of gaffer's tape which that hole is only about five millimeters square I mean it's super tiny yeah yeah exactly. and when I did that it ended up just blocking off so much light I can see about 10 feet on the ground in front of me and I can see the back of the camera if I do need to mess with something like set an f-stop on a lens that you know doesn't have any lights because i don't have a pentax k1 which has you know that little led to light up the uh f-stops and stuff but uh i can use the light the headlamp and see stuff it's super dim it doesn't cast a big bright light all over the place and uh and I don't have to worry about messing with my night vision because it's already messed by the back of my camera screen. Right. It's uh, not going to really affect anyone else's image. And if it does, it may give just a little, you know, green tint to whatever is in their foreground. And it's not going to be a big giant blowout like with the uh, the red lamp. So I'd recommend uh, people kind of move in that direction and just forget these red leds and save those for light painting you know when you <laughs> yeah. want to have like a bright red uh highlight on something keep the leds for the you know for that like my headlamp has a red a green and a blue led and it's like those are only going to be for light painting now and never for actual camera adjustments or hiking or any of that other stuff that's good i'll enjoy having you around me more because i'm so tired of the colored lights when you were yeah. talking about that book remember everybody these are samples so the theater gel sample book it just shows you yeah. examples of which they're, ones you want to buy they're about an inch by three inches uh, long and the stack is maybe 
three inches tall. It's like looking at a swatch and, of wallpaper samples or carpet samples or color for paint. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's probably 150 uh, samples in this booklet. So what was the color again that you recommend that you found works really well? Oh, I I went and took like the, uh, the uh, what was it, the point five. Point four NDs and stack that a couple of times. So they actually have an ND gel, and you got the yeah. point four ND. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it's just like a light gray um, gel, and and I forget which green one it is because I think I pulled it out of the kit and cut it up. <laughs> no worries, no worries. That's an awesome tip. Um, before I say the last tip, did you have another one to add? Um, I didn't want to cut nope. you off too soon. No, that's good. Okay, right on. So then as you do this and you modify your headlamp even to make it so that it's not shooting off any extra light, you're far more well-received by those that are already there. And if you are the one already there and you see people coming in, if you don't take control of the situation right off the bat, if you're not assertive, get the most assertive person in your group to say something like, hey, guys, welcome in. We're doing Milky Way photography. Join us. You're going to have a lot more ease of a situation with those that you've invited to stand next to you than those that you've avoided saying anything to. They've set up wherever they decide to set up, and now you're hoping they don't do certain things. If you invite them right in, put your arm on their shoulder and say, hey, I don't have coronavirus what's going on and you don't have it either sweet let's shake hands and then your best friends you're gonna have a great night in fact exactly what i did that night when i was meeting everyone i'm like hey i don't you, you mind if i shake your hand like i don't care and like we shook hands and he's like i haven't shaken anyone's hand for months <laughs> i'm like that's right well, I'm, I'm done with handshaking you're Forget done that. you're completely afraid yeah. of it i never liked it in the old days and i'm never doing it again oh man Screw we that. still spit in our palms and shake and make you know full packs Full promises yeah. and covenants with each other. Yeah. Yeah, just only blood packs. <laughs> <laughs> so oh then be- before we end the tips on this, Mary Beth, is there anything that you wanted to add to it? No, that's uh, he's got some really good uh, suggestions there. Because it really right. is like, I've noticed just in general, yeah, like you, there's people that look for these rocks in Michigan, uh, those Uperlite things. And, um, but I'm like, some of these lights are just so right like it, why is that necessary like, it's like the bat light <laughs> yeah they came in with like a police military grade spotlight to, sh- to walk the trail and you're like wait whoa, whoa. yeah it's yeah. just I, more, like why why is this i don't know yeah more lumens <laughs> is not better <laughs> rob ryan right now i'm thinking of rob ryan because he just gave me a flashlight he's like check out how bright this can go and he's always talking about how intense the lumens are and i'm like man it's like you, 12 million candle power <laughs> yeah he, he was showing me one of those last year and it was like lighting pieces of paper on fire <laughs> <laughs> yep. Wasn't that when he was doing it in his car? He's like showing us, yeah, like, check this out. It was awesome. Light it on fire when I'm in my car. So the guy's name I was forgetting was Mark Harris. I don't know if you've heard of him at all. He's fantastic. He's the one who is, has known a lot of great a lot of great Milky Way photographers, a lot of great photographers in the business over the years. I'm going to interview him. He had exclusive rights or access to be a photographer in North Korea. Hmm. And so we're going to talk about that in the podcast. If you talk about a photography wow. adventure, being in the North Korea, American living in North Korea or doing photography in North Korea, it's amazing. I can't wait to hear about it. Yeah, that is He's pretty, a uh, really interesting there. guy. Yeah. And so it's just a little bit of niceness would have gone a long ways where everyone could have been friends and it would have been fantastic. I can't emphasize that enough. Don't be an a-hole when you go out there. Don't be an a-hole when someone shows up on top of you. Just be nice and Everything will be better. Trust me. You'll love being that person a whole lot more than the person who, when you see people again the next day at breakfast, and you're still kind of <laughs> muttering, oh, that guy was a jerk. You can you know, you can sleep easier. I slept fine that night, even though it was 120 degrees outside. Oh, my gosh. It was so hot that month. It was intense. It was two days before that that they got the record at Death Valley, uh, or the near, the near record at Death Valley, the 130 instead of 132 or 133 or something, wherever they are. It's like, oh, man. So before we go, you guys want to emphasize anything in photography, any recommendations to say, hey, get out there and do this or don't buy this laptop because you're mad at it? <laughs> hmm. I'll That's an interesting that. thought. I'll leave that be. <laughs> <laughs> Long story, completely entirely crazy short is that she has a nice awesome, awesome MacBook. She just got it 
and then three weeks later it crapped out wouldn't turn on and because of the soldered hard drive you can't ssd drive yeah. Oh, it was a, even a hard drive. It was an SSD because it was soldered on there. She had no access to get pictures that she had just put on there. And the jerks at the Apple store had the gall to say, why didn't you back up? Because it's my first week of having this computer. It was three weeks old, you said, but you only had it yeah. for one week or did you have it for three? I had it. Well, I mean, I really only used it for like a week. Okay. So, you had it for a that, week only. That was only. The, first tri- the first trip I took it on. <laughs> And it doesn't start. It doesn't start up. It doesn't start up. And now it's like, oh, you should have backed up. What were you thinking? Because when I load pictures to a computer, I'm not always backup doing backup simultaneously. That's that's all that happened. From the time that I loaded the pictures and then closed it and then opened up, it stopped working. So thanks a lot, Apple. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I love Apple, and I, it hurts my heart. It's it, like my it, best it, friends it, let her down. It's quite painful because you know it, it's it's just funny because like you know they're known for reliability, right? And then yeah, I get like usually. the worst one ever made. <laughs> Honestly, yes. I mean, I never had one do that, and so that just sucks. (laughs) Like, I've never, even my half-working PC stuff right now, at least I could get stuff off of it. (laughs) I've never had anything happen to this point where it's bricked, and there is nothing they can do about it because they can't remove anything because it's all glued together. (laughs) Let's not get her going. I can see her her revving up. Her Hulk is coming out. Let's go ahead and end this. Kirk, is there anything you want to mention before we go? Um, no, I think I did it with the uh, cover your uh, headlamp. Awesome. Cover your headlamp, everybody, and go read more at MilkyWayPhotographers.com, where Kirk is the managing editor of that site. We'll be pushing some more content out and making some changes to it over the break this Christmas and winter. Enjoy what is left of your warm summer some places and you know late summer most places and even a beginning of summer for some of you out there in the southern hemisphere enjoy it have fun we'll see you guys next week come back for another adventure and between now and then with the milky way being where it is and the new moon here don't waste that opportunity get out there and have an adventure of your own yeah buddy (laughs) yeah buddy (laughs) goodbye